0: Hi, I'm Shalushi Baxi-Ritchie. And I'm Kosha Baxi-Karstens. We are sisters and best friends who grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were really loved. We had a lot of friends, but we never felt like we fully fit in. We started to realize that there's probably a lot of other people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was the seed for this podcast.
1: Then during the 2020 election, We watched now Vice President Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence and we got inspired. We want to hear, share and amplify the voices of all Americans who have felt othered.
0: We wanna give everyone a platform to reclaim their power and their place by standing up and saying,
1: I am
0: speaking. Today. We're super excited and super lucky to have two guests on our show. Two guests that we know and love so deeply and dearly. You'll I never guess who they are.
1: Though, I might have to say, like, they're our favorite guests.
0: Uh yes. They're like family.
1: They're like family. In fact, so, uh, they are
0: family. Woo! They are our family. Today we're so grateful to welcome to our podcast Spruha Thompson, who used to be a bakshi, and Tryu Bakshi. Who's our who youngest a brother? Who is a Bakshi? <laughs> Hi, my name is
2: Spruha Bakshi Thompson, and I'm speaking.
3: Hello, my name is Dr. Chirayu Bakshi, and I am speaking.
1: So for those of you who don't know, we are uh, siblings of four. Shayla, she is the oldest. Four years later, I, Kosha, came along. Five years after me, Spruha came along. And then two years later, as we've heard several times over, surprisingly, Chirayu came along. So it goes girl, 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 boy. Yay. Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you so much for being guests on the show.
0: Of course. So I want to start um, by giving Spruha and Chirayu a chance to introduce themselves, to talk a little bit about, you know, what interested them about joining our podcast that you know, we're so happy that they did. Um, and what it's like to be where the, who they are in our family. So I'm going to start with Chirayu. Go ahead, Chirayu. I just want to give you a chance to talk about like who you are, sort of what your perspective is that you bring to this podcast. And what was it like being the youngest?
3: Oh, boy, that's a loaded question if I've ever heard one to start with. Uh, <laughs> uh, so my name is Chirayu Bakshi or Bakshi, you know, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I'm a doctor, I'm a practicing physician on the front lines right now. I work in the south suburbs of Chicago. I live in the city of Chicago. Growing up with uh three older sisters, a lot of people will say, "Oh wow, that must have been tough." I mean, the, the 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 honest answer is it wasn't that tough because I had always had three people who I know absolutely would love me unconditionally and always take care of me and, you know, would make sure I didn't get too spoiled by our parents. Uh, as I'm so frequently reminded, you had it easy. You're the boy, you're the youngest, all that good stuff. And definitely spoiled. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm probably a little spoiled, but uh, hopefully not too bad. But, you know, my my experience overall, not not even close to the worst. It was uh, probably one of the most, I mean, blessed upbringings I could, I could possibly have asked for. You know, I have three older sisters who I can rely on. At any time, um, they're always there for me. They're always there to impart their wisdom, whether it's you know um, solicited or not. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I love them all, obviously, extremely dearly. And you know, my family has always been extremely close to me. And you know, especially the four of us have always been super close. It's it's nice to always not have to worry about having someone to talk to. That's one of the greatest things about having. Four siblings, and they're all older than you, so they always have wisdom and experience to share. So I'm really, really lucky in that way.
0: Thanks, Troy. That was lovely to hear that uh, you did not mind having three older sisters. I think a lot of many guys would feel like they didn't have, you know, that the male
1: camaraderie. Um, and now it's on record, so you can't. Yeah. Well, I didn't <laughs>
3: say it was always sunshine and puppy <laughs> dogs, but no, I, it, it was definitely a situation where. You know, I, I look back on it now, and especially knowing the culture of men and you know Indian men these days, like it—it's it, easy to to realize. It's easy for me to see that, like I actually got the benefit of avoiding a lot of toxic masculinity. That's something that I think I I've pretty much. I don't think I've ever really struggled with that. Uh, you know, masculinity is all it's all mentality. And it's all whatever you think being a man is. And at the end of the day, at least for me, being a man is part of it. Of that is also respecting women. And I've, I've never, ever had any doubts in my mind that being brought up by not just a mother, but three older sisters has definitely given me a, a healthy perspective and, a, and a, a healthy distaste for toxic masculinity.
0: You know, you said something that I, I think we're going to want to circle back to. All four of us will want to circle back to and talk about this idea of being, you know, spoiled and yeah, you had it easy. And I want to be really, I want to acknowledge really clearly that for each of us, something was hard and something was easy and that no one in any family, but we can only talk about our family, has the free ride, the easy ticket. There was always something. Um, so while I appreciate you acknowledging that you were maybe a little spoiled and I think it's true, not because of us, but because of mom and mom has a soft spot for you, which now that I have a son, I get it a little bit, but that it, that it wasn't all easy and it wasn't all easy for anyone regardless of where we were. So, um, I really appreciate you both. Raising that issue and and sort of acknowledging that maybe there were things that were a little easier for you, but also acknowledging the both you know sort of the the yin and the yang of it all that there are some things that are going to be easy and some things are going to be hard.
1: Well, I think also I've as I've gotten older. So when you're when we're younger and the spoiling comes from, you know, uh, Triu doesn't have to do the dishes and we have to do the dishes and you know our mom was famously said, um, you know, well, he's just my little nine-year-old baby. And we were doing laundry and and dishes when, you know, we were nine years old, that kind of thing. When you're younger, that means something. But now that I'm getting older, I realize that being the youngest, being the only boy, being the spoiled one also comes with expectations of, you know, I mean, we know that what the the oldest son means in yeah in, in, in Indian culture yeah so that I have I am coming to an appreciation of that you know now later in my life
0: I want to give then I want to turn to Spruha, who's the youngest sister and sort of in this very unusual spot of being kind of the youngest, but not the youngest, and having a very special place in our family for a range of different reasons. So Spur, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself and, you know, sort of talk about who you are, where you are now, sort of, what you know, whatever you want to share with us um, as we get started in this conversation. So, just want to say first, thank you so
2: much for having me. Um, again, my name is Spruha Thompson, and I am the third of four Bakshi children. And um, as Sheila, she said, that was actually the first. That was the first thing I had on my on my little cheat sheet here. Well, just things I'm I'm just uh, notes I'm writing to myself. Is I am. Um, While I am the third child, I am the youngest girl, so I don't get to be the first of anything or the only of anything. I'm the middle, Um, but being the youngest girl, definitely being the third child had its um, advantages. Being the youngest girl, you could say, had its disadvantages because I was still considered the youngest in some ways, even though I wasn't. Truly the youngest. Um, Chirayu and I are only just over two years apart, but we're just around two years apart. And so we were often kind of lumped together um, in many ways because between Kosha and I, there are five years. So there at a certain point, we were in very different uh, stages of our life. Um, And so but Chirayu and I were always very close together in our stages of life. Um, So what can I say other than it's just always been a really interesting position that I've been in. Um, She she was kind of hinting at why I might have a special place in my parents' heart as well, and hopefully the rest of you guys, um, is that I was born with some complications. To start off, the the, um, umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck when I was uh, born. Luckily everything turned out okay. I mean, this back in the 80s, they still were able to do what they needed to do. I don't I don't have the full story of my birth. Just having had a a, a baby myself, knowing your birth story and sharing it is very like on trend, but I do know that when I was born the umbilical cord was wrapped around my head and I was blue and all that stuff. But also I was born with with a condition called craniosynostosis, which essentially means that two of my skeletal plates were already starting to fuse. Babies should not have that essentially. They should have uh, separated skeletal plates to allow for their for their heads and their brains to expand and then harden. Anyways. So when I was three months old, um, I had a major surgery and basically they opened me up from one ear to the other, had 140 stitches. Um, and they did major skeletal head surgery to make sure that my, my head basically didn't balloon out in one direction because the other side was already kind of maturing faster than the other. I also had another eye surgery later on in life when I was like, I think four or five. Um, I've had a lot of complications growing like right from the get-go, like in the first few years of life, which, you know, I think have made mom and dad, and I'd imagine my older siblings to be a bit more cautious and wary and, you know. Uh, careful about what I do and like trying to take care of me. I, you know, I definitely will say that I still think sometimes to this day, mom and dad still see me as that three month old that came home in the car seat with bandages wrapped around her head, but still apparently with a big smile on my face. So
1: something for that you mentioned was a really good point is like that you don't have that the memory of the story of your, of your birth story. And I think something to point out here in terms of like the difference of then and now, and maybe the cultural difference too, that we don't have a lot of pictures of you, right? Right. Because, and dad, dad talked about it as almost like a a pretty conscious decision that it's like, well, if, if we lose her, I mean, literally, this is how open they were about it. Like if we lose her, that's not something that we want to document. Absolutely. It's so
2: funny you say that because my my daughter is going to be 11 weeks tomorrow. Leading up to her birth, you know, I was so curious what she was going to look like. And now that she's kind of developing, she's almost three months. I mean, when she was born, I saw him through and through and like his side and his face. Um, and as she's been growing up, I do see more of myself because I know what I look like when I was three months old, not when I, not what I look like when I was born. I think I might've seen one, I think I've seen one picture maybe once. And, you know, it's so funny you say that because it, I was thinking the same thing too, that mom and dad just, they didn't want to almost jinx it in a way. You know, I mean, I think some of those superstitions and things may be playing hard there. They don't want to tempt fate. But growing up as a third of four, I mean, I always had older sisters to go to for things, and and I will say that Shiloshi and Koshi, you are both like so different. Growing up, you guys were so so different, and Shiloshi was in a lot of ways like a second mom to me, just because she is a not, she is nine years older than me. Even when I was five, you were fourteen, Shiloshi, and when I was sixteen, you were twenty five. I mean, that's. That's like light years of difference in different stages, you know, like stages of life. And and the other thing is that she was, she was gone a lot earlier because she had moved away to school. You know, it was just it was really, really different um, being the being the youngest sister. But then I always had try to kind of have a male around, but also like a partner and a buddy and sparring partner as well you know we always we are very different personality wise I really feel like in a lot of ways I did get multiple different experiences kind of being where I was in the order of things
0: thanks bro you know again I go back to like something I hadn't really thought of is the fact that there weren't pictures of you in that first little time and maybe it's because I remember it that I just think we have pictures because I, I was almost nine. I just remember it. It is jarring when you realize that something that you remember is only your memory. It doesn't have a basis in reality. You remember it and you think there are pictures, which is, feels a little bit like the Matrix. All right, Kosh, I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to ah. give you a chance to tell
1: your story. Well, uh, as we said earlier, I'm second of four. And, uh, what's really interesting about my story, I think is that, you know, we started off, um, I was born in the city, but then I was not even two years old, Rachel, I have to ask you, but like, I was not even two years old and we moved to a small farm town in the middle of central Illinois. We moved when you were, so you were born in Chicago. Yes. right? And then we you moved
0: were to not to to Libertyville right. and we were there for just about a year, almost a year and a yeah. half. And then we moved to Streeter. But
1: I was two. I think I was two years old when we moved to Streeter. And it yeah. was the type of farm town that's like, on the way there, you go like, turn left at the cornfield. Like, it's not, you know, it's that far out in the middle of nowhere. Shayla, being four years older than me, started off in... Public school, the public schools at the time there were not great. Our parents came here, you know, very much with the intention that, you know, education was number one. So they moved us, they moved Shailushie really early to a Catholic school, St. Stephen's in Streeter. So not only were we in the middle of a tiny farm town, one of the only Indian families pretty early in, you know, our parents' immigrant story. But also then we went to Catholic school. So we very much, you know, stood out. Now, the people in the Catholic school were wonderful. We had, I, I personally had a wonderful experience. And then right before my eighth grade year, dad had a great opportunity, I should say, in the suburbs of Chicago, southwest suburbs of Chicago. And we moved right before, so right before I went into eighth grade. And not only did we move to the suburbs where people looked, it was way bigger, but also I went to public school from then on. I mean, for, you know, up until I graduated high school, it was really, I kind of spanned you know, what our families experienced. So Spiro was five years younger than me. Looking back now, I was really mean to her. I'm sorry, Spiro. Let's go on record to say that. She she went to um, Illinois Math and Science Academy when she was 15. So I was 11. And I distinctly remember that was like the moment we we became really close. It's like the whole absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's the story that like we dropped her off and apparently I cried the entire like three hours home, the entire time home. We're Our mother, and if you know our mother, she is a very emotional person, at one point turned to me in the car and was like, can you please stop crying? We will see her again. She didn't die. And you will see her again. Stop. Me and my dad were like, whoa, mom's telling somebody to stop crying. That's a big deal. So, uh, yeah, we became really close after that. Well, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but
2: I will say that what I remember is that you guys argued a lot, too. You and Shayla, she, like, you guys argued a lot, too, you know? So it was to go from that to literally, like, <laughs> gut-wrenching, sobbing yeah. oh, for three I hours.
1: Being, it I was being it's definitely, like, um, you know, kind of like a mind deaf. like oh, you... a mind-fuck. No, like yeah, it's for you I want to say you remember that very accurately. I wasn't like sniffling in the back with like silent tears. And,
2: and it was like, pitch black at night. Like we left as late as we could. It yeah. was dark. It was just not. It was in the eyes. van
1: and I was laying down on the back seat and no one could sit back there. I was laying down and I was heaving to the where, to the point that our mother, and again, if anyone knows our mother, they're gonna be cracking up at the story, was like, you need to cut it out. Like she, we will see her again. But then, yeah, and then Sprue and I, you know, we found our way. I think, apparently, for me, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Because I think we started becoming very close when I went to college. Apparently, I like people better when they're not near me. I don't know. you and I have always had a very different relationship like that. Uh, we were friends really early on. We have a very similar sense of humor. Uh, there was a summer where I lived at home and we watched Whose Line Is It Anyway every evening. We went to movies together. So I have a very close relationship with each of my siblings, but very distinct. I'm, I I feel like the relationship I have with Shale Shakespeare for completely different
3: your relationship with me is similar to your relation, my relationship with Shailushi in that you guys were like so much older than me that like you guys took on more of a mothering role. And a lot of times and like your relationship with each of us like reflects dip, like very, very differently, but it also like, it also gives you a lot of different perspectives on like how to act around like uh, even like friends and like, children and other other stuff like that. Like, you know, there's a very famous early picture of me and you in the newspaper and streeter where you're feeding me something. I'm like sitting on a table and you're feeding me.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, what's really interesting here is one of the themes that we will hear among the four of us is how Shailoshi was a second mother. And to me too, I mean, I think there were expectations put on Shailoshi and this is Chelsea, I'd love to hear your perspective um, that like how early you felt that, because we know that that came from, you know, Spruha and Treyu, like that you being, you know, old enough to kind of take care of us and, you know, mom and dad could go away for a couple of days. You're only four years older than me, but I do remember like being in your care, not saying like, you know, that they, mom and dad would leave, but you had to take care of me you had to kind of entertain me. So that is it. A connecting thread, but I wasn't a mother figure to Spruha. I was maybe to try a little bit more, but yeah. And I, you know, I was the, I felt growing up, I think the one thing we all agree is there was, we were parented very generationally, right? So She and I very similar in terms of the strictness and you know what we were allowed to do where we were allowed to go uh what time we had to be home curfews, that kind of thing um the expectations that we had about you know getting your room clean and things like that grades and then try and spur her but also um that i was the one that wasn't as needy and let me explain that sure she was older she was extroverted she was louder she she would say what she wanted and, and when she wanted it. Screw had some medical needs, and then Try was the boy, right? And the surprise, quote, medical miracle, which we all have that story too. And I was the I didn't have any medical issues. I was quieter than Shiloshi. I was second. she could, you know, lead me into a lot of things, and I it did have good grades, and I was scared of really, you know, putting my toe out of line for a long time. So I did feel overlooked at at times. Um, not, for, I mean, not on purpose, but surely not on purpose. But, um, you know, I felt like I, I wasn't the squeaky wheel. So, you know, that was my place. But what I do know now as I'm older is I see how special my place is in terms of the relationships I have with my siblings, that I do kind of have very unique and special relationships because I an older sister. I have an older, I'm the only one who has the older sister, the younger sister and the brother, you know what I'm saying? That, so that, that I think is, I mean, I've come to that perspective in the last like 20 minutes. Like it's not, it's not something that I've known for a long time. It's coming as I'm in therapy and understanding how my mind. So now I guess I get to talk about myself, which is weird because I'm, I can mute you, you know? (laughs) I'm
0: the host, right? Then I get to talk about myself a little bit. Well, it doesn't, it seems like to have each of you talk about your sort of who you are and how you, you know, see yourselves as part of the four, some in this family, you need to have me slot in at least to have some, a touch point for all of the stories that you all have told about me in the last, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. (laughs) So uh, I'm Shay Lushi, fuck Richie. I am the, as you have probably picked up, the oldest of four. I am almost 11 years older to the day than Chirayu. A couple days short of 11 years being that much older than my youngest sibling. Almost nine years older than Spruha. Back in the 80s, putting a nine-year-old in charge of a five-year-old and a newborn, not a big deal.
1: Super normal, right. Yeah.
0: I mean, I cannot imagine putting... My nine-year-old son, in charge of my six-year-old niece, and my newborn niece.
1: But somehow, that <laughs> seemed to work back then. Um, I didn't think about it that way. That is a crazy perspective. What, well, like weird?
0: I think it's absolutely true. What each of you is saying—that for a good portion of your young lives, I was a, almost like a second mother. And it took me a long time to unlearn the tendency of wanting to caretake instead of care for or, you know, extend care to, but um, caretake is a different thing. And that I think did have a lot to do with the kind of expectations that were put on me as the oldest. It's really strange to reflect on your own role in a family. You have to see yourself the way other people see you, or maybe reflect on Stuff that you haven't really reflected on before, Kosha and I were always together since she you know was old enough to get around. It was Shalish She kosha, Sha kosha, and certainly, when Kosha was younger, that was a bit of a challenge because as Kosha's alluded you call it to it
1: annoying it's okay you can call
0: it annoying <laughs> I mean, we're both very different personalities. I am outgoing, and I'm loud, and I'm actually very um. I'm so, I'm confident of the point of sometimes being foolish. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, uh, how hard can it be? Sometimes, usually it's not that hard, but when it's very hard, it's like miserably hard. And it's doubly hard because you didn't expect it to be that hard. So then it's both hard. And then you're like, why is this so hard? It shouldn't be that hard. And Kosha was certainly more timid as a child. And out of the two of us, she's definitely um, more reserved in almost all ways. So it is hard for for a kid that wants to ride bikes, climb trees, jump in puddles, explore to be expected to take care of a sibling that didn't want to do any of those things or was very nervous about doing them the way I wanted to do them. The answer was I could always do whatever I wanted, you know, within the rules, as long as Kosha came with me. So it was it was always this balance of do I drag her along with me? is that's going to kind of make it a problem when she didn't want to do the things and was unhappy about being dragged to do those things, or did I not do the thing I wanted to do?
1: Well, and this leads into, you know, and, and this is for later, but I think we all have dealt with resentment Mm -hmm. to the other. It doesn't have anything to do with each other.
0: My relationship with both Spur and Triu is I would definitely say it's evolving Um, that over the last, 15 years, things have started to feel more like peers and less like adult teen or whatever. And a lot of that did have to do with the age gap because yeah, like Spruha mentioned, I was 25 when she was 16. Well, I've done so much that she hasn't yet done. Um, Even more so for Triu, both of those things were complicated by the fact that I had left home when I was 15 to go to school. So even a lot of that daily hanging out, chit chat, you know, talking over the dinner table was just didn't, we didn't have the time to develop that as siblings in the family. And certainly when I came home, it felt, I think to everyone, like they were laying out the red carpet for me. And it was some like, Oh my God, she's home. Let's do a big hurrah for them.
3: You know, you talked about trotting out the red carpet, you know. Again, I was so young. I was four or five, six when you were at, at IMSA in high school. And I didn't really get a chance to really spend any time with you in any way that I can really remember up until like, you know, there's these small snippets of, of memories where you were home and it always felt like a vacation, like a party. Like you said, like, you know, red carpet. and Mom would always make your favorite food. I know we would have chora once a month, basically, because you, shale she loved chora. And, you know, I also remember the, the, the thing, at least for me, because it was so exciting, is the first thing I would ask you as soon as you walk in the door is, when do you leave? I want to be able to maximize my time. I want to spend as much time with you as possible, even though we don't have anything in common. If, if you're 15, I'm, I'm four, what are you going to talk to a four-year-old about when you're in high school, right? We, there's tons of common threads because we're siblings. So there was always, uh, there was always that, that feeling of there's something special happening whenever she, she came through the door.
0: Spra?
2: Yeah. It's, it's, you kind of just took the words out of my mouth because that, you know, um, when you would come home to visit, it was like the whole family, our extended family. And, you know, um, we are one of four. Dad is one of six. Mom is, you know, mom had also like um, her cousins that lived also in the area as well. So it was like, you know, our family gatherings were not just like 10 or 15 people. They were easily 30 to 40 people, you know, when everybody could make it. And that's not even the whole family. That was just the people who lived locally. And so it was like, we didn't really get a lot of that intimate time to spend together as just like the six of us, you know, like throughout my life, I I mean, I can look back on those times as really special um, occurrences when it was just the six of us. Because once you left, she she, it was never just the six of us, you know, it was just five. And then she she wasn't here. Or again, if you would come to visit, it was for a holiday. So then we'd have everyone around, especially when we moved out of the rural area into the suburbs where we were closer to all of our cousins and aunts and uncles which didn't make it bad. Thanksgiving was my favorite holiday of the year because we could have 40, 50 people, you know, people you didn't see all year. That's when you got to come home. But I will say one of my most favorite memories with you and we were playing baseball in the front yard. I don't know if you remember. You had also had a friend over. I remember having so, so much fun and then try, you had to go and get hurt and then everything got canceled.
1: You know, it's like,
2: it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. That's exactly what happened. But that's one of my favorite memories of just spending time with you as kids, which like we yeah. really didn't get to do. We didn't. Yeah. I bet
1: Treyu did that on purpose because he didn't want to. want you to have fun. He didn't want you to have fun. But you know, Farah, I think you bring up a really good point. It was so rare to have the six of us together when Shulshi came home. That you and Tryu didn't have like you had even less one on one time with Shailushi to develop that relationship. So it didn't happen for decades, or one on one time in general. Like I didn't get a lot of alone time to
2: begin with because yeah. Tryu came so fast after me. So he's just been mucking it up since nineteen eighty seven.
0: Now, that's so, going to be
1: like your insignia. On yeah,
0: your, like, mucking it up, it up since 1987. You know, I think about that a lot. And I think about how me leaving, going away to school, although was absolutely the right thing for me and probably the right thing for mom and dad, because it was not going to go well if I stayed home. We were already starting to butt heads a little bit around what I thought was best for me and what they thought was best for me. I think I'm my own best counsel is going, was going to be a problem with mom and dad. So getting out of the house and having the opportunity to do what I thought I should do was really, really important. And let's not kid ourselves. It came at a price. It came at a price that everyone paid in their own way. When you're 15, you're only focused on your own thing as I've had children and my my siblings have had children and we're all now sort of in one place. It does bring out this sort of like, when someone leaves your family, either gone, gone, or they're just not present at that moment, there's shifts in roles and responsibilities and there's a void. And how does that play out with other people is really, really interesting. I've been so thankful and so grateful that our over the years, we've been able to move from second mom, awkward sister relationship to being four adults who are siblings, but also have deep friendships with each other individually. And that as we got called out on it once, but that we are our own best friends um, and that when the four of us are together, it's its its own little bubble and its own vibe And doesn't need, we don't need other people to the extent that all of our husbands, at least, you know, try not your wife, but at least my husband and the other two husbands have acknowledged that it's almost untouchable, right? You just, sometimes you just got to stand back and, and let it go.
1: Even our parents, part of their whole plan was to make sure that we were a unit as a family we did things that as a family, you know, we, we weren't able to go and hang out with our friends every single night, like some other families were. And it almost like, sometimes I think mom and dad feel like that backfired on them because they're often not quote invited to the party when the four of us get together or that. The four of us, we inter- we love having them, the six of us together, or now with our, sim- or our spouses and things, but it is a different dynamic than when the four of us are together. That relationship is even kind of excluding everybody besides the four of us.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I also think that uh, it's less pronounced for dad, because like Spruja has already said, he's one of six. Mm-hmm. and. I mean, he reverts to that same pattern whenever he and his siblings are together. hundred percent. They sit around the table and they'll just joke and they'll be in their little bubble and they'll tell stories and they'll tell the same stories over and over again, just like the four of us tell the same stories over and over again. Um, and it's not that way with mom because m- mom only has one sibling and she's not as close to that sibling as, as the four of us are for sure. And and I think she, she said it before too, I think uh, all of us in some way. We love our mom dearly, she loves us dearly, and she wishes she had that, uh, and it's unfortunate. Um, she's also a very social person, and she very much loves to have that feeling of belonging.
0: I mean, I think that's a really interesting place for us to start, you know, sort of thinking about each of us as individuals, but then when we're together, getting called out in in various places about, oh, you four are together, it's almost untouchable. Like, or like
2: when it was going to be the six of us or when the four of us was planned, like there was no other thing. Like you were not allowed to go do anything else. That's kind of like piggybacking kind of off what Kosha was saying a little bit ago was like, other people could like skip out on family dinners or like they could go hang out with their friends. And that was never an option for us you know, like we would not be allowed to go to our friend's house if family was coming over or not until we were much, much older, like, like almost out of the house older, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Is that when we did get called out that one time, we hadn't seen you in forever. That was a family vacation. Uh, and it was a last minute decision for you to come. So it was to even get to spend that much time with you. Like, I think that it was on a cruise and that was like, over yeah. a week. It was like a week and a half. Was that, it was like a Was that when
1: Shulha and I was that when we were Kushche so loud I came back drunk, bumping into because those rooms are so big. <laughs> I'm we're sorry, into, I'm like, sorry we're trying to be quiet. We're
2: trying to make sure you don't wake us up, but in doing so, you just will So woke us loud. Up. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, we were being criticized by other two other two other sets of siblings where it was just them and the other person, and they probably spent all their time together. It, at the time, I'm like, oh, I feel bad because they feel left out. But you know, the same time, looking back on it, it's like you know, this was our only
1: time to spend any time together because you yeah. were working, so you did not just. Was it was for us to feel like it was wrong, though. So to put this in context, we were on a vacation. We were all on a cruise, multiple with, families, with three or four other families. Yeah, we were, we having, were having a great time, time together, family. and then um, we were like, oh, we'll sit. You know, we would sit together at dinner we decided to not sit like to intersperse. And someone said, Oh, we don't want to break up the backseat siblings. And so the, the intention was for us to feel bad about that. You know, just to put that in context, yeah, like, exactly. Like, I mean, no one was like saying it, like, Oh, the backseat 4 they're so amazing. And I wish I could be part of that. <laughs> it was right. like, other it was othering us it was saying like yeah you guys are like you know we don't want to hang out with you anyway yeah yeah
2: yeah. and like you know it it was like you feel bad because you certainly whatever whatever alienation that they felt whatever kind of like being left out that they felt was completely unintentional right um but then now looking back I'm like you get to see your sibling all 100 percent of your siblings all the time I don't get to do that So looking back, like I said, I I don't feel bad anymore because these weren't people that like, yay, now we get to spend time with you. So I just, that was like a thought that I had, you know, later on in my life, looking back on it, when we were going to spend time all four or all six of us with mom and dad involved, it was like you weren't allowed to go anywhere else. And so for better, for worse, you just like made the best of the situation. Like when we mm. would go and spend time in India, we would be there for a month and there yeah. was no, it wasn't like we, you couldn't go anywhere. You were just sitting around all the time. Um, just, That's just how our situation was. I know it's not the same for everyone, but you know, you just made the best of it. That's how slowly over time, not having any like being spread out for so long and then being able to come back together, but like you have to be together and now you can't go anywhere else. It's kind of like you kind of learn to form a bond that can stand the distance.
3: Co- kosha mentioned one thing about othering. And I mean, I mean, that's the point of this podcast, right? We're talking about othering people, giving a voice to people who are othered. I, I remember that day that we we tried to kind of like break ourselves up. And I was still pretty young at that time. I think I was like nine or 10 or something like that. And I didn't really understand why we were doing that. And I remember just being like, no, I don't want to sit by anybody else. I want to sit by my sibling. Why would I want to sit anywhere else? Like, yeah. this is an awesome time. I'm just like spending sitting next to my family and hanging out with my sisters. You know, looking back on it, I'm like, man, I don't think anybody should ever feel bad about Liking their family. Like that, that just seems crazy.
2: I was just saying, like, how interesting that you can feel bad about having a good thing. Yeah. You know? it,
3: it, honestly, like, uh, you look back at it, it seems pretty obvious that it's probably just jealousy. It's probably just people, you know, that don't actually spend a lot of time with their siblings. They don't have a lot in common with them. They don't enjoy spending that much time together. Like Spruce said, it was there are two different sets of boy girl siblings. They're, you know, probably two or three years apart each. They probably butted heads because they were probably felt like they were treated unfairly compared to the other person. I think all of us have that experience, but at the same time we we were all treated a little bit differently by our parents and by other people, but also we were all treated differently when we were all together because people saw that we were not, we were not siblings that were very contentious with each other.
0: Yeah, I mean I think you're onto something there both of you that or all three of you which is part of that othering experience for us really was I'm jealous of what you have. Um and I want you to feel bad about it because I don't have that. So that's that's where this trip came from. Dad and his three golfing buddies and their families went on this cruise. We were being put at a table, six other people that we had met only in limited context. You know, I barely knew those people because I was away at school and then I went to, you know, college and work and stuff. The two of you, Triu and Spruha, probably knew them the most or had interacted with them the most through, you know, the mission. Kosha, you probably knew them somewhat because of just socializing. I would not say that we ever had the opportunity to be friends with them, to interact with them. They never reached out to us You know, I'm guessing by the way that we were all treated there, that it's not as if even at the mission, they were like super friendly and like,
1: like, they were like, well, chubby. Yeah. I would say, yeah. The boy, girl siblings were close at the mission. And we all, I always did feel, I I won't say we, I always felt like an outsider there. They were very clicky. I was not part of that click.
0: They were about your age. So that would, that you would feel like an outsider. I think outsider, try you and screw up probably not as much so because they were older than you. And for me, I'm like, I barely know who you are. And then it's so strange to have people turn that cliquishness around on you and make it seem like you're the one that's, you know, we're the ones that are keeping them on the outside. And yeah, why should we feel bad that we get along so well with our siblings? I mean, the saying that came to mind is we're really more like a small gang. And that's kind of what we were, that people would be jealous of that and then turn that jealousy into, d- turn that into shame on us. Like, well, why aren't you, you know, being friendly enough and including us when actually they weren't even, you know, they, there was no attempt made at the get-go to include us since they all kind of knew each other much better than we knew them. But old history is also really interesting when you think about how it helps form the story. Like what's the origin story of our, this, that's part of our origin story about how we all came together. What formed us as, you know, the Bakshi four. That's part of the origin story. So I'm right. This is a great place for us to start or to continue. What else would you say is part of our origin story um, in terms of, all right, so that's one thing. What are other little bits of either like individual origin stories that you have with each other or something that's about two or you know three or all four of us i certainly one thing that comes to mind is the one christmas we rented sense and sensibility and i think so we had the we had that movie for like 5 days spruha and kosha and i watched that movie every day for 5 days by the end of our watching time we Had stopped watching it and just started making fun of bits yeah. and pieces of the movie.
1: You know, what's interesting if you it, for that story is that it is a story about three sisters, sisters separated from kind of society because you know they had a lot of money and then they the dad dies and um that they were othered also. Not to force the metaphor, but it, it we definitely identified with that movie, you know, like I, we all know that I'm the person who's going to rewatch a movie a thousand times but that movie really, you know, we immediately were, were like, Kosha is the Kate Winsley character and, you know, Spur has the Margaret. It, we just knew that and we identified with those. And so we, we found things that we identified with. I mean, one of the stories that comes to mind, and I, I mentioned it earlier where these connections came because our parents were like, I mean, we all heard the like, you're, we're, we're not a hotel. You can't just go, you know, in and out and go hang out with your friends. I mean, there were times where I didn't even ask to go out with my friends. Cause I knew it was going to be a no, or I had just gone out the weekend before. Yeah. A lot, so, of, a
2: lot of bargaining in your head.
1: A lot of, bar- yes. For if a if I want to go reason. do that thing in three
2: weeks, like, should I ask for this thing now? No, I really yeah. want that thing.
1: Yeah. Or like, well, I already got the thing last, I got to go out to a movie last week. So I got to give it a couple of weeks. So, yeah. so there's so much of these origin stories happened like in our house because of that. And, um, so I remember, you know, Trey and I had the, who's anyway, but also we went to see a movie and that me was, myself we went, and Irene. yeah, me, myself and Irene. And we had, you know, a great time and we realized our humor was really similar. And so that was a moment of like just us coming together where he wasn't just my little brother. We're not just, you know, seven years apart, but we we could just laugh and we had this same sense of humor. And now, I mean, I don't even know. Troy, were you in high school when we watched that movie? And we still laugh about that one scene that I thought was going to be gross. It ends up being hilarious. We still can go back to, I remember being in that theater. So I, you know, that's part of uh, our foundation. And I think what's interesting is a connecting thread has to do with mom and dad's structure of our, of our home and our capability of going out and social, Mm -hmm. you know, social interaction.
0: Yeah. I know that Trey and I have a story like that too, except we bonded over mutual hatred
3: hatred. Of
0: of a movie, which I don't know what the Rotten Tomato store is, but it's gotta be like one. (laughs) You're talking about Daredevil, the movie.
3: It's real low. It's really low.
0: This was you guys had gone somewhere. It was some something that you and Spru and mom and dad went to and we're like, what are we gonna do? And so we went to see this movie. I think Daredevil was the only thing that we're like, okay, like it's not a sex movie. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it was not like a like, horror movie yes there's nothing
0: else to watch right and we're like ah whatever it's I think it was a matinee so we're like whatever it's a couple hours famous last word I think we did actually stick it through to the end it was just the
3: worst movie I'd ever seen in my entire life uh, it, it definitely competes for the top spot if yeah. not the worst.
0: so I'm curious then Spura, like what is your sort of like coming together when like things really gelled for you
1: with Kosha or me or try or me. Oh, whoever. Right. No, I just said, we just learned that you don't like the word mesh. That's weird. But okay. <laughs> Definitely with Kosha
2: was when she went to away to college. Uh, probably one of my most uh, favorite memories with just me and Kosha where I felt like I was like, okay, like I think we're starting to know, getting to know each other, like in a non-sibling way was um, I spent a weekend with her a siblings weekend when she was in college. God, I just had, I had we had so much fun and I was so upset when we didn't repeat it the next year just because the whole weekend was just like doing fun things, like ice cream social and like playing um, apples to apples and like getting to hang out with your friends. And you lived- We went in, to um, Carlos O'Kelly's. Yes. And we had, um, that huge, uh, I think we had a cookie skillet. Skillet cookie. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was more fun just being like seeing you with your friends and like being included because I didn't get that. No. And that was just the reality. Like I can understand like who wants to have their sibling Their Like when you're, you know, 16, who wants to have their 11 year old sister? Hanging around. I get that. Um, so, you know, that was just so, so much fun. I just, it was great because we got to like be friends that weekend. I, I got to have like an older sister who also could, I could have fun with that I didn't really get growing up. I
1: distinctly up. remember that. I agree that that was part of our like, we went from being like me being the kind of a hole, you know, older sister. To like, we were f- becoming friends, and, or we were, we, we were, still, that balance was shifting. And like,
2: especially like as you got towards like the end of high school, you were really, really involved with extracurriculars. And so I wouldn't, not only did we not go to the same school, but I would not see you sometimes like until you got home at nine, 10 o'clock with your, you know, cause you were so involved with drama and like when it was That's almost time, I understood that later when, cause I was very involved with music and, and extracurriculars too. I mean, I never held it I, like, I, like I never held it against you or anything, but it was just something that I didn't have. And then, you know, by the time I was in college, you had already moved to Michigan. So it was like, I didn't even get to spend time with you like post high school. It really wasn't until I think I was married until I was 25, 26, when you were already married and living in the city, you know, that I really felt like I got to spend time with you. But after I was like done being a little kid, I felt like you and I were kind of like, oh, okay, like we kind of see eye to eye and we can have fun experiences together you know obviously Shayla she, you and i like i feel like we when I, when i moved out to california that's when i really felt like i wasn't your like just your little sister anymore i was really trying to like do my own thing and i was able to take your counsel and your advice less like um a younger sister and more of like a peer and a friend you know try you and i we are always together but when I think on our memories together, so many, but I'll always, my, you know, Eric will tell you like, like he will, he will not play video games with me. And there's pretty much only one other person that I will play video games with. And it's you because we jumped down each other's throats and still like five minutes later, get along really well i mean kosha yeah. loves this story kosha's I'm favorite not. story of us is you know like we're knocked down drag out fight and then five minutes later you know are still we crying. gonna are we gonna yeah cry? i, I was still yeah. crying i think yeah yes yeah. so we were both like we were crying and like i guess earlier that day we had made plans to like sleep in each other's room and even after a knockdown drag out fight you know i just got to make sure we're we still doing this because at the end of the day we're still cool
3: i'm the only one that can really play video games with you cuz i'm the only one who can tolerate when you get upset but i'm also the only one who kind of was there for both the ups and downs like through like all the awkward stages in middle school and high school and everything like that
0: certainly the two of you so close in age which you know is frustrating in many ways But also, you both really understand what the other went through in a way that no one else understands. For you, each other, you know, for each of you, but also for you know, for each of us, right? That I can tell you all day and all night what it was like for me. But no one was that close in age to me to be able to be like, no, I was there with you. I know what it was like. I remember all of that. Um, Same thing with. Kosha and, and, you know, with each of you or with me or me with her, which is like, there, there are stories that we have of being together, but there's enough of a gap there that it didn't feel like being in the same place and experiencing very, very similar parental mindset or the similar life, or, you know, like you said, Trey, that you were there for every single step of the way And that because you two are so close in age, it feels much more like, oh, I really get what this other person's going through instead of, oh, that sucks that that person's going through that. Or why are they doing that? You know, or that's an interesting reaction, but that so much of it probably felt like just on the other side of your skin because it's so close.
1: I mean, there's pros and cons, right? That like, it's so close in age. I mean, Spur was saying like, she never really felt like, she had, you know, there was a time where you were an only child or there was a time that, I mean, five years where I was the youngest, like Spruha really didn't have, doesn't have any memory of being the youngest, right. That she kind of got mm-hmm. the sibling that was like so close in age that you never had your own time. Do you feel that? Like I still, <laughs> and it's, it's,
2: I still have some resentment over the fact that like, um, mom and dad, wanted to send me to visit our aunt and uncle and, uh, and cousins in Australia for my graduation when I graduated high school. No, no. When I turned six, 16.
3: No, it was, it was when you graduated because I was a junior.
2: Okay. Yeah. So when I graduated high school, they, they wanted to send me to, to visit them for three weeks and, uh, they sent Trayu along. And because of that, I didn't get a graduation party. But Trae got a graduation party two years later when he graduated high school. I still have resentment over that because that Mm -hmm. wasn't fair. You know, like I didn't get to celebrate this milestone with my friends and uh, for various other things like that last year. And that last summer with mom and dad before I went away was really hard for them and for me because I was just so ready to go out and be on my own. And be like just do something by myself. And I think with me being the youngest girl, I mean, sometimes I feel like that's part of it is like um a little bit of hovering over me. Um, and me being the youngest, that they they didn't want to really they were very, very still strict. I was 18 and they were still really strict about my curfew. They were really strict. I mean, Kosh, you talk about. You know, that funny story, haha, about like you getting in trouble about, you know, tell us if you're gonna be late and still getting in trouble. That absolutely happened to me in in my senior year of high school, where to the point where like like I, I would have to leave. my friends would start a movie and I would have to leave in the middle. Of, I was always at one person's house who lived ten minutes away. They would tell me, let me know if you're gonna let us know if you're gonna be late they would start a movie i the movie would have been ending like 20 minutes after i was supposed to be home and i would get chewed out over the phone you know but there was never any like you can't do that or just come home or whatever so it happened to me too probably not as young like when i was younger not it didn't happen but i don't know i mean it was it was hard i definitely felt like i didn't get certain things I'm kind of I'm kind of going off on a tangent now, but like that that for sure. Like I didn't feel like I had. Sometimes I felt like I didn't have my own thing because I was close to try. Like I don't know why they didn't just send me on my own. It's not like you know a 16 year old, and it's not like try would have been able to protect me from anything if something (laughs) happened to me. You know what I mean?
3: Right, right. And again, at the end of the day, even if I was 16 and you were 18, and we're like not completely defenseless children, you know, at the end of the day, you're my older sister and my, and our parents are going to expect you to be responsible for me because I'm the younger sibling, right. and the older sibling in that situation. Right.
2: right. I'm technically an adult at that point too. Yeah. So any authority is going to look to me anyways.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Bruh. Trey, I'm wondering if you had the same or similar experiences about, going out with your friends and then like getting in trouble when you weren't home or when you were, you know, wanted to do something multiple weekends in a row, what the expectation was. Yeah. I was going to say, was it any easier because you were a boy or was it still the same, still the same level of expectation?
3: I mean, yes and no. Like I didn't like go out with friends and just like go hang out at, you know, a coffee shop or, you know, whatever, like a, The restaurant or whatever. I didn't do very much of that. Everything I would do would be like a school extracurricular sponsored activity, or it would be like, I'm down the street at a friend's house and, you know, it's our family friends. So they wouldn't really give even a thought about it in the first place.
2: I was going to say, you did have a girlfriend though.
3: Well, yeah, I was going to actually say the one time it actually like blew up in my face mom and dad had gone out for the night. Like Sprua, you were already in college. So, you know, I was the only one home. My girlfriend lived down the street from has best friend. So like 10 minutes, 10 minutes away, her parents were home. It's not like I was doing anything crazy. Like we, I just went over to her house to watch a movie and hang out. It was like, it was literally like a Friday or a Saturday night and there's nothing else to do. Mom and dad were like, okay, you have the car. If there's an emergency, the keys are here. But like, don't go joyriding riding around the city i'm just like what am i gonna do like where, like what am i gonna where am i gonna go joyriding? riding like first of all but second of all you know like I, okay you know you guys are out doing whatever i i'll take the car and i'll just go hang out with my girlfriend and we'll watch a movie and it'll just be my saturday night whatever fine we'll order pizza and hang out and then what ended up happening was um there was a problem with the car our mom had a very finicky car it usually had a lot of issues it turns out that the power steering fluid had all leaked out. So you couldn't actually steer the car. And my girlfriend's dad was very, very handy at the time and he fixed it. But like, it it took such a long time for him to find the right part and fix it and everything like that, that dad and mom and dad had already gotten home. And dad's like, where are you? Why aren't you home? Is there truly an emergency here? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm at my girlfriend's house. And they're like, come home right now. I'm like, I'm trying to come home. The point is not, I wasn't trying to just be out and do whatever. I was actually just trying to like be home. And when you told me to be home, dad basically yelled at me for 30 minutes straight when I got home because I decided to try to have a pleasant evening. But yeah, that that's like the one time where like I went out and I got absolutely screamed at for being out.
1: But I was, I think, I think what, I think what Spurha, first topic sentence was you had a girlfriend, full stop. The fact that you had a girlfriend, that it, was, it was okay. And it was known that you had a girlfriend. Now there yeah, are, oh, you yeah. had well, stuff, but like, this is going to be real interesting when mom and dad listen to this, but the fact, I mean, I had boyfriends and I we kept it quiet. You know, they didn't know about the people that I would call my boyfriend and stuff. And, and the dates that I went on and stuff like that, that it wasn't, okay, it wasn't considered okay for me to be dating. And I think Shayla, she had the same experience. And my guess is, I don't remember, but my guess is Pearl also had the same experience, but try like you had constraints about being able to go out with your girlfriend and go on dates and be home on time and things like that but you having a girlfriend was known and okay. I didn't have any boyfriends in
2: high school. It wasn't for for lack of trying or whatever. It was just, didn't work out for me. Um, But my husband is also, was my one and only boyfriend in my life. And I started dating him when I got into college after I was 18, after I wasn't living at home full-time anymore. And they had a huge problem with that. I did, after I did two years in college, uh, I stayed, I lived at home for like a transitional year because I was changing majors and I was 20, almost 21. That was the year I turned 21. And Koshy, you talked about bargaining, like, oh, I did something fun last weekend. So I can't ask. I mean, it was like, I only saw him now at this point. We've been dating for three years, serious boyfriend. He's now my husband. We've been together for 17 years. Uh, at the time it was like, I saw him once every five weeks because just talking about, can I go see him do this and that? I mean, it was like, it was, I I grew a lot. And I will say that I will be, I will be honest and say fair. Like it's a two way street, that relationship, but even as a 20 year old, um,
0: it was not okay. It's, I think that's really fascinating. I mean, to this day, right? Like that's, that's, a double standard that gets um, amplified in first-generation children. That double standard, especially, there was, oh, shoot, I should think of, I should try and remember what it is. There's actually a term for the conservatism that comes with immigrant parents when the home country gets more progressive. So what we all, there's actually someone coined a term for this. So, you know, the way that mom and dad left India, they left India in the mid-70s, and their cultural understanding stopped right there in the mid-70s. But that India continued to progress. And, you know, I think, you, your wife is a really great example of what people who did not come over in the 70s. What their upbringing is like in India and what it's like to live there now ish, as opposed to what it was like when mom and dad left and what they brought with them, that it was okay for you to have a girlfriend because you were a boy. For us, it meant a a stain on your house, right? Like, what if someone suspects you of something and um, then you're not marriageable? Because we know the story about mom who was engaged and through no fault of her own, that engagement broke off. And then everyone thought she was just like ruined. And that is part of the mindset that people, you know, that they brought with them to this country. Whereas your wife's parents came over at a much later date and she herself was sort of old enough to have absorbed some of the culture of India. And then some of the culture here, but didn't grow up in the ultra-conservative, first of all, not Gujarati, but also the ultra-conservative India that was the mid-70s, right? So the stuff that I, that I would hear about people doing in India, like, even 10 years ago, I'd be like, oh, my God, I cannot imagine doing that. I cannot imagine dating in India because mom and dad never talked about that as even close to a possibility, The only reason I got away with it in high school is because I was like, I'm just going to do what I want. What are you going to do? Pull me out of school. Like that was my trump card right there, which is being in a school that was, you know, about furthering, like it was the education thing that mom and dad really valued. If I had been at home, I never could have gotten away with it because I didn't have that card in my pocket even though certainly my personality would have still been like, well, I'm just going to do what I want, but I would have definitely suffered a lot more because it would have been like, you know, I keep saying like we were just butting heads and you all were there. You saw how much I butted heads with mom and dad, even when we, I wasn't even in the house most of the time. And it was just going to be a problem and a problem and a half. So although there may be issues about, or differences about specifics, it sounds like that still was a thing about like, you know, you need to be home. What are people going to think? Why did you, like, this is not an acceptable thing to be doing. This is what we said you could do. And this is what you can do. End of story. Trey.
3: Yeah. I was going to say, I, uh, apart from that, apart from like the, you know, what will people think sort of thing? um, It also, I think part of it is, it has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to do with what their perception of safety was because in India in the seventies, like, I mean, even nowadays, it's far less likely that I'm going to be the victim of a crime than a woman. I mean, it's the unfortunate truth is that it's far less likely mom and dad don't wouldn't have to worry about me walking around on the street at night by myself. It's it's way less likely that they're going to have to be scared for me. What happens if you're not home at this time? Then we're going to worry about you. I mean, they still worry because I'm their child, but it's there's the stakes are not as high for me. It's just un- an unfortunate like fact of fact of the situation. Especially, you know, back then, like that in India, in a lot of ways has gotten pr- more progressive, but in some ways it has not. And yes. one of those is is gender, gender societies, and gender norms uh, in in society.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that, Shreyu. and I wonder how much of their reaction was driven by mom versus how much of like the stance was driven by mom, who is a very almost fear driven person. Her emotions are so, they're not even right underneath her skin. They actually are on top of her skin. She wears her emotions as clothing. And so how much of that was fear, which is if something happens to my child, I couldn't bear it. So they have to be home when they say they're going to be home. They have to be doing what they say they're going to be doing. I cannot bear for them to take any risk because I believe that all of us have been in the situation where you inadvertently got hurt doing something that wasn't particularly risky, but you got hurt doing something. Because your children, you got hurt, your child, you got hurt doing it. And mom's reaction would be to yell at you about why did you do this thing that you got hurt, but basically being mad at you for getting hurt because then she was stressed out about you being hurt. So then a, f- a fear-based response to, or a fear-based approach to my child is out there in the world and I don't know what's going to happen. And so they absolutely have to do and be and exactly... What they say they're going to do, any deviation from that plan is an opportunity that risk gets introduced and therefore could be very dangerous. And I cannot bear it. You know, I don't know to how much it was joint or separate or one person's like trying to manage the other person, but I can see that playing into it. I feel like
2: mom was much more vocal about her fears, but I think that they were shared. Uh, I definitely think that they were shared. They were not, it wasn't like dad didn't have the fear,
1: but is I Is there think a reason that said, you, is there a reason you think that or just because of your relationship with dad? You know, like um, I think
2: it's more so just like in reflection of my experiences with mom and dad. Like, I think I do believe generally that mom wanted us to have- Mom wanted us women to have experiences and and do things in her heart. She wants us to be able to do and see and experience everything that we want. I think as, um, as an immigrant who got to leave her town and come see the world and come to America and be a U.S. citizen, I mean, it's kind of like she got to do that, too
1: where you bring up a really, I don't mean, I want you to mm-hmm. continue that thought, but I want us to discuss that point of mom leaving a life that w- was and would have continued to be incredibly lux. And now we, we were not poor. We were my, you know, our dad's a physician. We lived in a small town, low cost of life, all that stuff. But, and I think Shushi, you could probably speak to this Better, um, because I think you've had this conversation with mom. Um, can you talk about that a little? Is like her leaving was a decision about posterity, about her children and her girls, right? It was like specifically her girls having opportunities versus her. So I think that when we kind of stepped a toe out of line, it like personally was just like, I came here for you.
0: I think that is a lot of the narrative. Although I don't, I know that mom can't say that mom and dad cannot say we came here for you, but dad came here to get in and finish his residency. Mom came here for herself, really. And dad came back to the States for mom. Mom already had her visa when they got married. And the only, you know, the condition was that she was not allowed to come here unless she was married. I kind of bristle at that, like, and I don't disagree that that was the projection, but I bristle at that because I know that it's not as if she was being forcibly dragged across the globe, that that was something that she herself wanted. And that she does even talk about the fact that, yes, she would have given up a luxe life in India, but that the sacrifice of being there, living in her in-law's house was something that would have been too much for her to bear. So she did it as much for herself as she did for anyone else. And I, But I think you're right, Spru, that mom understands what it's like to want to venture out on her own, to have that sense of adventure, and that she did want us to have those things and at the same time was so fear struck at the yeah. idea of losing us, yeah. that it was this constant mm-hmm. battle between, I want you to have experiences, but not too much to be dangerous, right? Yeah, yeah. It, that's exactly what I was, that's exactly the point I was kind of getting
2: towards. It was like, she wants, like, I want you to have all those things. Like, I want you to go have fun. Mom is a fun, loving person she loves to have fun. She is a type B through and through. Um, and so, but she just can't help the, like the motherings, like, I mean, she just can't help, but be, uh, be fearful and like, and above everything else, she loves her children and she loves fun, but she loves her children even more. And so, you know, it was, I think for her, just easier for her to kind of lean into that fear. And I think dad, like they probably had still their shared hesitations and like, you know, dad was much more principled and by the book and like structured and like, where does that come from? It doesn't necessarily come from like, I just make rules because I like to make rules. It was based on, this is how you stay safe because I'm afraid something's going to happen to you if you don't follow the rules you know like he's famous like i don't want to say he's famously said but how many times have you heard like you can say that i'm wrong like it was a, some kind of like saying he yeah. always you know, has like i might be wrong but this is just what i feel in my like this is what i feel in my heart
1: and this yeah. is how i feel record dad never said that to me but you <laughs> you saying it about like if i die god could say i did it all wrong i, I could like huh. imagine Dad, doing that, it's making me. Oh, smile. he said that. To, I mean, because he and I butted heads so
2: much. I, I mean, I don't know if that was just me being the last, the youngest girl, and him. I always felt like they were trying to tighten the hold on me because they were just so, like, so afraid of losing their youngest girl. I don't know, maybe because of my, you know, my medical stuff when I was born. But yeah, we butted heads a lot, and and it was like it felt like the rules got stricter, and and the. You know, as I got
0: older, so I don't think you're wrong about the vibe that you're getting. I'm not. I don't know that that's the reason. Yeah, but I do know that for Dad, especially, he had a very, very soft spot in his heart for you. I mean, when you were like a baby, you could do literally nothing wrong because Dad is very principled, um, almost a perfectionist, I would say. I wonder if your go with the flow vibe was at odds with his love. Like it was a t- his own battle that he was fighting internally with his perfectionist tendencies and his soft spot for you. Like spirit should just be able to do what she wants to do, but she should be able to do what she wants to do in the way I think she should do it because this is what I think is right. And I want to set all of my kids up for the best life possible. I don't know, because I wasn't old enough to engage with dad as an adult and to sort of talk to him about it when you were going through that with him. But I do know that dad was fighting off some of that. This is how I think it should be done. And I want this, you know, I want my son to choose the life that they want and to pursue things the way that they want to pursue them. Like, I feel like dad is very much able to hold the, like, they are not me, but they should do things the way I want them to do it because I think my way is right. And, And I feel like sometimes that comes out on to us, right. Which is that his own internal struggle ends up like getting, covering us and that we feel like it's about us, but really it's something that's happening internally for him.
2: Yeah, I mean I definitely can look back at that time and be like, oh yeah, I'm sure that was really really hard for him to be seeing his youngest daughter who you know, could have died as an as a newborn um or had severe like um developmental issues if we had not gotten a very new surgery certainly in the last 35 years I'm sure they've perfected it and improved upon it. Looking back, yeah, for sure you know, I mean, I, to his credit, he never forced me into any one profession. I mean, I am not a math and science or like health oriented person. I was into music and arts and him and mom were always, you know, supportive of that. And, you know, just to go along with like, not to kind of do a left turn, but just, I feel like it's very important to mention that like a lot of peers who are my age, who were also first generation, um, Indian, American Indian kids. Like, you know, I mean, I was not, there was no like engineer, doctor, lawyer, like pick one. I think all of us, you know, kind of feel that to some degree. Um, but I, from the get-go, I wasn't like, I'm going to go to medical school and then, Oh wait, now I'm going to do something different. From the beginning, I was like, I have no (laughs) aptitude for math or science. Um, I am an artist. I am a musician. And that's the way I want to go. And they were always really supportive of that, even if they didn't understand what I was going to do.
0: I think that's no, I think that is a very unique thing to point out about our parents, that they never pressured any of us into a field. Um, They never, they never made our career choices. And to be fair, they never made any of our personal choices about them explicitly. There may have been a subtext underneath about what are people going to think and uh, you know uh, what if you can never get married, right? All these kinds of more cultural concerns but they didn't explicitly say, don't do this or do this because it's going to look bad on me or people will talk about us. Or there was no sense of like, we owed them our future because they made sacrifices for us. Again, the older I get, the more people I talk to, the more I realize how unique that is to have parents who can give and not actually ask for anything back and say I did this for you so now you do this for me not to say that I don't think there were moments where that was an expectation but it was much more like on the it was smaller it wasn't like a global like we came to this country for you now you have to be a doctor it was more like I brought you this and now you have to do this for me right
1: um that came out in terms of the expectations, it, I think it was subconscious on their part, right? I, re- I distinctly remember being in one of our, we went to a place called Chimamachin, which is like our Sunday school and being in class and talking to, like we were having a conversation with the class and someone was talking about their friend whose dad was in, like demanding and forcing this kid to go into medical school. And they were saying like, what should, what should this person do? And I said, well, he has to live with the rest of his life. If he's going to be miserable being a doctor, he should just be his own person and not be a doctor. And I said it, I wasn't being facetious and I wasn't being sarcastic. I was being very honest. Like this is duh. Don't be a doctor then at least half of the class were like mad at me that's not how it works. That's their parent. That's that guy's parents. He cannot say no to that person. You don't understand the expectations and the pressure. And I, in that moment realized while we did have a lot of frustrations and expectations coming from immigrant parents and things like that, we weren't able to go out very often. Our future was not written by them. And you know they did a lot to control or try to control our, our the present, like when we were going through school, but there was no expectation like you have to be a doctor, and that was different than other immigrant parents mm-hmm. and other first generations in our in our cohort.
0: That's absolutely true. In fact, I think it's funny that uh, you know for a long time, Chaya, you, you were planning to go to pharmacy school, and then you decided to be a doctor. You decided you want to go to medical school instead, and And our dad was kind of like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Go in the pharmacy. And like, he was kind of like trying to push you in the pharmacy for a while,
3: which is a kind of
0: a weird switch, right? That like.
3: Bizarro Indian parent where (laughs) the doctor, no, what, why? Yeah. Like originally I was planning to do pharmacy and dad was also like, oh, what do you want to do? This sounds really great. It's an expanding field. There's plenty of, you know, opportunity for growth and this and that, whatever. And then, you know, I, I got into a, um, a six-year program where I, I went to undergrad uh, for two years. And then I did like this, like early matriculation program where I went to four years pharmacy school and it, I got accepted to both at the, I had to get accepted to both at the same time, but I could basically get a degree two years earlier, a, a pharmacy, a doctor of pharmacy degree two years earlier. And it's like, great. That's awesome. Like you're set up, like all you have to do is just keep doing what you're doing. Go to school. Now go to school. Grades. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's like, oh, you're done with school? Good job. You've earned yourself more school. Um, <laughs> which is what ended up happening anyway, but just a di- different situation. But I remember when I told him at the end of my two years of my undergrad, when I was supposed to go, I'm just like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not excited by this. It's not like just scared of going on to something different. like It, it was actually like, a this is not, ex- I don't feel excited. All I feel is the anxiety of, that, That like, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't feel right. And I remember having this conversation, sitting in our basement with my dad, and he like called me downstairs. He's like, I need to talk to you. And uh, boss fight music comes on and something's about to go down she your said stomach gro- you know, your
2: stomach is now either yeah you're you're you immediately
3: in knots you know your throat you, is in your groin and your stomach's in your throat yeah <laughs> you know you you feel really uneasy and I, I remember having having this conversation where my dad was basically just like why are you doing this why do you want to do this are you sure are you sure like a hundred times i must answer i'm just like i don't know how else to describe it like uh, I, I and I even said like, well, why do you, why did you want to become a surgeon? And I'm not sure he was ready for that because I never got a straight answer out of him. Um, he went back like, oh, well, you know, I when I was in medical, I was in school, and then uh, you know, I got really high marks. And the system in India is 100 100 different. It wasn't like a hmm, what do I want to do? It's like, well, these are your scores on your test. This is what you this is what you're allowed to go into. Pick one. And at the end of the day, my my answer was i have a feeling that this is what i'm supposed to do medicine is going to provide something that pharmacy can't and he said okay fine that that's your choice and you know you got to live with it but it it, it definitely was not without its battles with him because it wasn't the first time i had to i had to talk about it but it also wasn't uh, the, the last time um and even when i was in medical school Um, or I was applying to medical school and everything like that, he kept asking me like, are you sure this is really what you want to do? It not only made me question myself, but at the end of the day, it also helped strengthen my resolve about that I made the right choice. It it was definitely like a very unique situation where that it, it wasn't that dad was trying to make a decision for us, but he was really trying to make sure we weren't making the wrong decision. Because yeah. you know, it, who knows? Like, I I don't according know. According to if,
1: him, if, right? Yeah, like, it, according to him, what he? Oh
3: yeah, but also, like, you know, Shaila Shi you said a little bit ago that like, I want them to make their own decisions, but I want them to make the right decisions according to me. I'm not sure he would have made the same decision I did. I'm mm-hmm. not sure he would have switched careers when he had a track laid out in front of him. Yeah, I I honestly don't think he would have. Or and if he did, if if he was presented with that choice, you know, like. It, again, like, why give up a sure thing? Well, if the sure thing is not what you want to do, then I mean, it's not a sure thing because you have no idea if you're going to be happy right. or enjoy it, or you're even going to be good at it.
0: Yeah. Troy, I actually, I also had a really similar experience with mom and dad when I switched my career path. You know, I had been saying I wanted to be an OBG since the time I was nine years old or something. Until I was a junior in college. And it was right around that time when uh, everything started to come together for me. The things I loved became more apparent, and the things that I didn't want to do became very, very apparent. As Kosha knows, since we both went to the same college junior year at Illinois Wesleyan, you started to prepare to do your med school apps. So like the second semester, they had like uh, MCAT review courses that were like three hours every Sunday. That was like, I mean, the school did it. That, you know, and they did like panel interviews and panel, um, panel recommendations. And like, there was so much prep by the school, which is one of the reasons I went there to begin with. Cause I wanted to go to med school. I was like, this is great. I had to apply to med school. I was like, can I just skip the med school part and just be a doctor? Like, I don't want to apply to med school. I don't want to go to med school. I actually don't want to do my residency. I just want to treat people. And at the same time, I was also starting to do a lot more philosophy and found both that I had a real love for it and a gift for it. Like, the arguing, the getting into the details, and but also not taking it personally, like this is a formal debate that we're having, I'm not taking this personally, was something I both loved and was good at. And to bring those two things together, like public health was like a perfect path for me, and yet it was not something that mom and dad had really conceptualized. I mean, for the longest time, mom didn't even know what to tell people that I did. And I can understand how both of them would be like, but you wanted to be a doctor for the last 12 years. Why did you change your mind? So suddenly it was only sudden to them. I think that is also part of it. I and mean, I'm imagining it was the same thing for you, Trey, which is, I didn't just wake up one morning and go, you know, I really don't want to do this anymore. It's too much work. Or I want to make life harder on myself, that it was sort of a slow realization of things that were missing and things, and that, you know, sort of things that were missing from the path you were on. And that things that you saw on the other path and you're like, no, those things are really what I want more in my life. Those are the things that I really value or that get me excited about doing a job. And honestly, it's fascinating, also really fascinating to see how many in the States, how many people leave careers in the prime of their lives and say, I'm not going to do this anymore, which is, I think, an immigrant you know, certainly in India, that's not, you don't do that. You don't like go to med school or become a lawyer. And then like, when you're 40, you're like, and eh, I'm not doing this. I'm going to go to med school instead. But someone who I graduated with in high school was a patent lawyer. So he's what 44 or 45 patent lawyer left his law job at 40, went to med school and is now going to UCSF. Cause he matched impedes there. I was like, First of all, 45 in residency, I'm like, I'm just exhausted. Right there, I'm exhausted. But second of all, that is a story that can only happen somewhere like here, not somewhere like India. It is not a mindset that immigrants bring with them. And if immigrants have to come to the States and do or go to a different country and do something else, it's because they can't do the thing that they're trained to do in their country, right?
1: Like cab drivers or... Yeah. You're working at a 7-Eleven or something. That's where my mind goes. Yeah. Right. I own a 7-Eleven
0: because I can't be a textile engineer.
1: I can't be a physicist. Right. Right.
0: Which I have blown past my respect for time. And now I'm just trying to be like kind of on time. Well, and Um, we
1: know that the four of us can talk forever and just, it, it will never be done. Right.
0: It's almost 10 o'clock. We're supposed to stop at 9 30. And I don't feel like we're actually slowing down at all. Like, we could just, if I'm like, okay, so let's just keep going till we're done talking. It might be three in the morning. Um, Am I wrong? No.
1: We'll be done talking because we fall asleep, not because we're done talking. Or like,
0: we're like so hoarse that we're like, okay, I cannot talk anymore. Um, So I'm going to suggest that we stop here. I mean, I'm really enjoying this conversation, but like for the podcast part, but I'm also fascinated about the perspectives that you all are the, especially try and screw up, Cause I don't, I will just own my own garbage and say that I thought on you. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with you. Right. I, I yeah. think especially being the oldest,
1: you think I was, I saw, thank you guys so much for being here today for, um, sharing your stories. I mean, yeah, well, what we're going to have to do this again it's just gonna, is just going to
0: part one of 20
1: of 22,000. <laughs> Correct. This is a series. So, yeah. Yeah. It is, is going to be one
3: of before. question mark.
1: We are fascinating people, but this is going to be an offshoot podcast.